Hi guys, you're listening to another episode of the Everyday Explorer podcast brought to you by gotakeepmoving.com. This week we're chatting to John Rogers, an author and avid walker who spends hours on end exploring the fringes of London by foot. He's got bags of advice to share about spending your spare time exploring home through walking. So stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the Everyday Explorer podcast, a series that inspires you to discover your doorstep and beyond on a daily basis. This podcast is brought to you by gottakeepmoving.com and I'm your host, Emma Higgins. Welcome back to another episode of the Everyday Explorer podcast. This week I'm joined by John Rogers. Hi John. Hello Emma, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. good. So John is a writer and filmmaker currently living in London. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about your work? Because you can describe it better than I can. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. It's, it's Well, I just wander around a lot. I think mm-hmm. that's probably in, in essence a lot of the work I do comes from just wandering around and in fact actually we're sat here in Barnsbury in North London in in the London borough of Islington and uh, a lot of the work I do now really originated from wandering around these very streets actually and 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 being very curious about you know what was underneath the pavement and and what had been here before and or just what was here now Mm -hmm. and and then writing about it uh, initially for like zines but then really starting a blog and that you know I've been doing lots of things over a longer period of time but the kind of the, the arc of what I'm doing at the moment you can really really start to kick off when I started blogging when I was living on the Barnsbury estate mm-hmm. just here at the top of uh, Pentonville Road mm-hmm. uh, looking down across the Royal Vale of King's Cross you know a place of great myth and legend mm-hmm. you know you've got springs gurgling up under the streets and uh, so, you know, I do various things. You know, I've written a book called This Other London, Adventures in the Overlook City, published by HarperCollins, available in all good bookshops. <laughs> I think get the, get the plugs in there early. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've made, um, I've made a, a couple of feature documentaries, one called The London Perambulator, which is probably the most relevant to, to your show here, mm-hmm. uh, with a dear friend of mine called Nick Papadimitrio, and that kind of also includes sort of luminaries of this sort of wandering tradition, such as Ian Sinclair and Will Self. Yeah. And I'm making a film at the moment with Ian, um, who walked around the Overground Circuit in, oh, wow. in a day. It's a book called the, uh, London Overground. It's an amazing book. And he did it with a great filmmaker called Andrew Cotting, who was the filmmaker who made me really pick up a camera, a Super 8 camera, and start making films. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm making a documentary with Ian of that walk. Mm-hmm. It, we were doing it in sections. And actually, we were here on Tuesday night. And Ian did the walk again. Uh, Overnight with Andrew in reverse direction, starting at half six in Hackney and finishing again the next day. Mm-hmm. And we walked past here actually the night, yeah. walking this uh, past this very house. In fact, I think. Oh, we're in an apt setting for this podcast. Yeah. Then, well, that yeah, that leads us all very neatly into what this episode's about, and that's discovering places by foot, and more specifically, discovering cities by foot, um, which you're clearly very. Uh, experienced in <laughs> and it's my preferred method of transport <laughs> finding places by foot for me there's just something that nat- very natural about it and carefree 
um, because you can just kind of set off. And if you're going on a bus or a train, you have you have a, uh, a kind of finish line if you're going to catch transport somewhere in a new city or even a city that's not new. But when you walk, there's that there's kind of that freedom that even if you do have a finish line, if you have okay, I'm going to the library, you still have so many different routes that you can take there if you're going by foot. You've only got one route if you're on a train or on a bus or you know in a car. Well, in a car's a bit different, but you've got more time as well by foot. So that for me is why I prefer to discover cities on foot. What would you say is your reasoning for enjoying walking around cities so much? What attracts you to it? Well, there's a there's a basic level, a very simple level, and then there's a more, kind of more profound level. And the more profound level, it completely changes the way you relate to the world around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to country walking, which very few people today need to walk in the country, mm-hmm. for example. You know, who needs to walk across the field? Very few people require that. But in a city, you know, there are places of activity and action and commerce and all sorts of things go on in cities that you're required to engage with. Mm-hmm. So if you engage with that via the prescribed means and, you know, journeys by transport are prescribed, even if you're in a car, you've got to go on the road. I mean, yeah, you know, very true. Uh, if you're on a bus, you say it's a route yeah. and it takes you from this place to another, if, particularly if it's a journey to work. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you walk, suddenly you can claim that bit of space. You are mm. in, you are in the city. Yeah. You know, you're not really truly in the city if you're on a bus, mm-hmm. if you're on a train. Mm-hmm. You know, but if when you walk, you are in that place and you're connecting with it in a very fundamental way, in the way that our ancestors connected with their landscape and that's have a very kind of intimate relationship for for the sake of survival, not a spiritual. You know, they developed a spirituality in order to facilitate this but it was about their survival in place and so they knew the names of all the plants and they knew the names of all the animals and they knew the topography they knew where the water sources were and they named them and venerated them mm-hmm. and since people were moved into cities they lost that connection yeah. with their environment and, and and consequently you get the rise of all sorts of you know stress and anxiety and all these mm-hmm. things all the modern kind of maladies and walking re-engages you with place and with your place and you're free to do it however you like you know I mean I've done it in a particular way in in my if you read my book there's a particular way I've engaged with my environment but you can do it however the hell you want you know it's and it's it's freedom actually well for me it's almost like the purity of freedom and a lot of the things people complain about in in urban living uh, they sort of you know there's there's a degree of fear and tension Mm -hmm. well you don't have that when you walk, it, that goes, and actually, that's one of the things that people ask you about, and you must get it a lot, particularly as well. Like people go, oh, "Aren't you afraid of walking around at night and things yeah, like that?" Yeah, all go, the time. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> they go, no, well, no, because what it teaches you is there isn't anything to be afraid of when you when you when you're in it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's because you become part of the problem. You know, you're yeah. you're the thing that they're afraid of then, because you know, <laughs> you're one of those people who's out in the street. Yeah. Um, so that's why I I like it. It's a world. It's adventure. You know, I mean, I did a lot of kind of. Part of the work I do now, the ethos behind my book, comes from backpacking in my 20s and really yeah. going for obvious adventure. You know, like I went to Borneo and stayed with head, people who've been headhunters and they still had dried heads in their heart and mm-hmm. wow. all those kind of mad things like that. You know, climbed active volcanoes and you know, I lived in Sydney for a number of years and did all those kind of traditional adventure things, which are incredibly accessible to people now, you know, yeah. uh, more so than ever. And really, when I came back and sort of settled down, I realised that the most profound adventures you have are the least expected ones. And so when you when you step outside your front door and just say you know this area really well, mm-hmm. there'll be streets down here you've never been down, yeah. guarantee it. Mm-hmm. And there'll be alley there'll be alleyways 
off of the streets that you have been down that you've never been down that alleyway. And once you un do one thing, you just take a left turn you've never taken before, mm -hmm. a random left turn, and suddenly it can open, open up a whole new vista. And when you get back home, even if it's an hour later, your house looks different. Yeah, your yeah. garden looks different. The world looks different to yeah. you. Yeah, all about that perception. And I think for me, especially London is a prime example of a, of a it's funny because I've been to so many cities and if I'm going to a new city, I always just walk and walk and walk and then kind of get to know the geography of it in my head. So I'll know if I'm west, I'll know if I'm east, blah, 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 blah. But in London, for up until maybe a year ago, it always felt so disjointed to me and I just really mm. didn't know the layout of the city very well. Because I would hop on the tube, not think about which, hardly even think about which direction I'm going in other than I know I'm going northbound, southbound, whatever. And then just hop off at my eventual stop but not know where that was in relation to where I got on and not know what I've gone through and so London to me I think up until maybe a year ago was completely disjointed and it just didn't feel like one place it just felt like these little you know pockets of places I would just turn up in <laughs> and I realized this is the only city I think I've ever been in where I felt that way so last year when I was here I was get taking a train back from Paddington so I decided to just walk it because um, I was like, I don't know what's between here and Paddington. <laughs> I could guess if I really have to. So I just decided to walk, to walk it, to catch the train. And that opened my eyes completely to... Which way did you go? Straight down the Euston Road? Or did you go in the back streets? I can't even remember. I think I probably tried to do some back streets. Um, I would just take a little turn and then nowhere I could just loop back again. Because I've got quite a good sense of direction, which helps with these kinds of things. So I didn't worry about getting lost and there's all also london's just so easy because there's a map that says you are here around yeah. a different corner oh in central london in central london mm. yeah and it connected london for me just walking that way actually connected all the dots together instead of it just being tube stations that i would arrive at and so london didn't seem so disjointed anymore because I'd explored it by foot, and I don't know if I could have done. Maybe if I biked it, but again, that speed. I don't think you would if you if you biked it. Actually, I think I interviewed a guy called uh, John Day, who wrote a wonderful book called Cyclogeography, and it did slightly change my perception of the, how a cyclist sees the city. But it, yeah, he was a so it was sort of partly his memoirs as a London cycle career. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I thought was really interesting about that that distinction is that that they again would navigate by if you're a cycle career about where you drop. So great for like big building companies, mm -hmm. centers of commerce. I mean, yeah. you're not gonna go anywhere where there's no commerce because mm -hmm. no one wants a courier to deliver a package. But one thing that he'd be more acutely aware of is the topography because he feels, he doesn't think about it, he doesn't see it. You feel it in your legs when yeah. you're riding a bike. <laughs> yeah. Whereas particularly if you lit up here, I mean, this is, we're really high up. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a really big hill. Mm -hmm. If this was in the countryside, people would be looking at it and going, bloody hell, look at that big hill, you know. Um, which a lot of people in London don't think of Islington as being on a big no, hill, do they? I don't think I would have, no. no. And it's part of it, and, and it's a, uh, it's what do you call it, like a spine or kind of a ridge running off an even bigger hill off the northern heights, off a grand sort of topographical feature that sits above London that forms a kind of like northern, well, part of the, the beginning of the northern edge of the Thames Basin. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, who engages with London in in that way? Do you, you know, go up to Highgate. Because I, I, I've got, I'm not very good with heights. Got a bit of vertigo. And sometimes I go up to Highgate. You get breaks in the houses, mm -hmm. and you, you you get these sudden drops. And I feel it in my ears. Wow. I mean, which is mad, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. maybe that's more to do with me than it is to do with Highgate. <laughs> I get kind of vertigo-ish sometimes, so I'm sure I'd be. Yeah. Or maybe just because the 
surprised that all of a sudden it just kind of appeared and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah. and I just didn't think we were that kind of high. And we don't, yeah. What I think is interesting, there were certain views, like if you um, go to Florence, you know, on, on holiday, you know, one of the standard things to do is to go up to Fiesole and, and look mm-hmm. at Florence. I mean, it's a famous view. You have definitely at some point in I one's life seen that view yeah. even if you've never been to Italy mm. it's the image of Florence you've seen yeah and and uh but there are views of London like that mm-hmm. that, that are comparable to that view and, and one of them being from you know out in Chigwell you know which is a place people sort of sneer and you know or it's sort of a bit Essex and but there's a view you know for me sort of Chigwell is like Fiesole you mm-hmm. know uh, and also you know in South there's places in South London that just have unbelievable views of, of, of London mm-hmm. across the London basin and yet we you know and I think one of the reasons we don't engage with London that way is people don't experience the landscape in the most fundamental way which mm-hmm. is to walk it and there's no reason not to walk London like you would walk you know in the Chilterns or the Cotswolds or wherever yeah absolutely and now now I've done I did that walk from Islington to Paddington now every time I've especially this week I've been running around doing this podcast I think okay well can I walk that (laughs) if I can walk that I've got the time to walk it which you know I make the time to walk it then I'll do that and um yeah my perception of of these places has just changed completely because I've taken the time to be on foot are there any places in London that are your particular favorites to walk around or is it too it's very difficult to pick favorites I mean there are places that I wrote about in the book that I went I went there to write about them and I loved them um, so, for example, you know, a, a great walk actually to, to demonstrate the kind of topographical aspects of London mm-hmm. and where you really experience London, the, the landscape of the city was a walk I did from the Ladywell, mm-hmm. well, from Lewisham really, but um, from Lewisham through Ladywell, and I ended up in in Brixton. Mm-hmm. And but the, they talk about like the seven hills of Dulwich. I mean, they're used to it not anymore. It's like in the Victorian period when well, Dulwich still is like a wealthy village isn't it mm-hmm. but they really did think of it like Rome, Rome has seven hills and they talked of Dulwich as having seven hills and I, I read that before I went out there but then when you when I walked it I got up I had to get to the Herne Hill Velodrome by a certain time to watch the last race of the autumn season mm-hmm. the autumn omnium it was the last race of the season actually I and mean, it could have been the last race at Herne Hill Velodrome which was threatened with closure mm-hmm. so it was really important that I got there so I was trying to walk, and it was, you know, really, really hard going because you are always going up a hill, then down a hill, and it's, you know, and then it makes you realise it's a system of river valleys and beautiful parks, mm. um, and it, through areas, you know, sort of, you know, Broccoli, Catford, Honour Oak, um, Blythe Hill, places I've never been before, some of them actually I've never heard of before, mm-hmm. but I've never been back. I mean, so in terms of my, at the, at the moment, my favourite place to walk is around where I live, I live in Leytonstone. And I love walking in the Lee Valley, which is, you know, a place where people... Actually, not that many people do walk in the Lee Valley. But I say lots of people walk there. Actually, when I walk there, I rarely see anybody. I mean, so you get some people on the towpath. But when you go across the marshes, I really like walking across the marshes, around Leighton Marshes, Walthamstow Marshes, Tottenham Marshes, walking further afield up to sort of Ponder's End. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful around there. And I walk... um, I mean, Wanstead Flats is one of my favourite places in Mm -hmm. London as well. So big open space. It's it's basically the waste ground on the edge of the... Epping Forest right. and walking through Epping Forest I like those kind of areas to walk I like walking over the uh, west actually yeah. on the western side of London around sort of Ryslip Way mm-hmm. and, and just walking out of London from, from Ryslip I really enjoy that or, or North Holt Ryslip um, sometimes it's like further in sort of towards Wilsdon Green Wilsdon Junction and, and walk mm-hmm. out from there mm-hmm. um, but, but all you know I mean 
all of them. It's all, like, all yeah. of London is interesting and it's great to walk. Yeah, and there's just so there's so much everywhere. I think if you just keep your eyes peeled or or just I think it's the art of paying attention instead of just passing things by, you know, zooming in, I guess, with your eyes and ears and and all those senses. Like I often follow my nose. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Which essentially is linked to following my belly. What can yeah. I find? Because food is a big driver for me when yeah. it comes to. Uh, Places and I think it probably applies if we're talking about London. That probably applies to places perhaps more in the centre, or really anywhere that has amazing ethnic food. It's a dream for me to walk around. Have you been to Southall? No. Well, you will, you will tip? flip out. Really? Yeah, yeah. When I walked along the um, the canal from Ealing out mm-hmm. to end up in Hayes, mm-hmm. uh, so I came off the canal a little bit, but I went through Southall on the canal, mm-hmm. and it like, runs around the edge of Southall. Mm-hmm. And so I must have been, I don't know, half a mile from the town centre, perhaps, maybe slightly less. The smell from that distance was just incredible. And I thought, I was thought, I have to end the walk here and go and get some food. Yeah, yeah irresistible. That's I, if, if my nose picks up on something good, it's going to go that way. And that's not really my decision. That's my body just going to steer. <laughs> it's just going to steer me that way. And, and I have no, no control over this whatsoever. <laughs> Where's your favourite area for food in London? I mean, I see, I don't come to London a lot, so I would only say I ever go to the obvious places, but because... But where, <laughs> because are, the obvious, where are the obvious places now for food? I, I mean, Brick Lane is obvious. Right, one. yeah. Okay. Sorry, that's an yeah. example of a, a, a yeah. pretty obvious one, or I go to Shoreditch. Um, Do you ever go to Brick Lane for bagels, though? No. Oh, my God. coming up with so many tips. This you have <laughs> to go and have a salt... Well, are you a vegetarian? Got to have a salt, hot, you know, hot salt beef bagel from the oh, from the bagel the, the bagel shop the furthest away from Whitechapel, the one nearest to Shoreditch. Right, okay. I mean, when I lived abroad for three years, you know, I dreamt about their bagels probably <laughs> once a week. Amazing. It's, it's about it's I'm trying to do, it's about four inches thick. Right, right. Uh, oh. With the meat. Yeah. And then you have got the oh, bagel. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, I have to try. And, and, and the beef is so succulent; it melts in your mouth. You yeah. just can't. Oh, it's incredible! I want one now, yeah, actually. <laughs> Maybe after this you can go and grab one. That's yeah. a bit off your route. <laughs> yeah, so I'm led by I'm led by food a lot. When I used to live in Toronto, that's really what my walks would culminate in is find a place to eat. <laughs> well, the situationists used to do that, you know. The yeah. situationists who sort of, you know, I'm sure you're aware of who sort of coined the term psychogeography and write about their wanderings in Paris and inspired a lot of modern urban walkers. They they used to do that as well, you yeah, know, a little bit. Yeah. Let's move on to what, what some of your advice would be for people who maybe haven't done a lot of city walking and they're not really sure where to start. What would you? What would your kind of first piece of advice for someone like that be? Just do it. Just do it. Just yeah, do it. I think I think don't uh, encumber yourself with lots of ideas and theory. Mm-hmm. Just just follow your nose. I mean, not I mean, you literally follow your nose <laughs> if you want, but just yeah. just go where you're fancy takes you. I mean, there are lots of things you can do. I mean, I quite like using old maps. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I very rarely use a contemporary map. You, you can do it, obviously, if you're in the countryside, you can get a lot of trouble with that. And you can get really <laughs> yeah. badly lost and, you know, uh, there's lots of train stations that don't exist anymore if you use old maps. But yeah. in the city centre, that's quite an interesting way of exploring a city mm-hmm. you, if you want a kind of an easy, quirky way of doing it. I, when I lived in Italy for a bit, we used to, we explored the region where we were living and we we'd always get up really late, so we'd arrive sort of in in these towns at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh no, sort of like two and three in the afternoon when you know everything shuts. Mm-hmm. So you'd have 
three hours before anything opened again. So, so you, all you could do was wander around. So it was a great way. You come out the station, and the stations in, in the sort of Italian towns in Emilia Romana are usually on the edge of the town because uh, you've got this historic centre. So the first thing would be to find the find the Duomo. <laughs> you know, find the Duomo, and and that in itself wasn't always easy because the, the the streets don't always lead in from the edge to the Duomo. So you'd be going on. Um, so you can have a, a thing like that just. If you're if you're not from you know if you don't live in a city mm. and you're arriving in a city, just to come out of the terminus yeah. and wander you know and just wander and follow your nose and if you know, and so maybe you can set a time so I'll wander for two hours and then mm. stop for a coffee or, mm-hmm. but I don't think it necessarily helps to have theory. You can look for a feature. A lot of my walks are driven by a very simple conceit. A lot of the walks in my book actually mm-hmm. were driven by I would pick a thing that I really wanted to have a look at. And then I would pick a start point 10 miles. I would pick a start point within no more than 10 to 12 miles that was accessible by transport with the fewest changes. Okay. Ideally one. So it'd be, for me, I live near the overground network. So it'd be an overground station or the central line. Right. And then I would do a 10-mile walk, 12, maybe some of them were a bit longer, mm-hmm. to this place that I really wanted to see. So all the time you're thinking, I've got to get to this place. It'd be good to get there before it gets dark, otherwise I won't be able to see it. Um, and that can be any... I mean, you know, the diversity of that is from... Um, I really want to get to, to Hounslow Heath, which is just a big open space on the western edge of London, which has an amazing history, mm-hmm. but is neglected, and very few people kind of go there, to wanting to go up to... The place in, um, you know, in, in Crouch End where they filmed Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, and, and walk amazing. the Shaun of the Dead locations. Yeah, you know, and yeah. go to the corner shop where Shaun buys his Cornetto and his yeah. can of Coke. And I did that. So oh, they can be either, they can be, you know, quirky little things like that. And I started that walk in Chancery Lane and ended it up in Crouch End. Um, yeah, went from Gunnersbury to Hounslow Heath. Mm-hmm. As I said before, Lewisham to Brixton over the hills. And that, but then, you know, there it was driven by, right, I want to get to the Alton Omnium at Herne Hill Velodrome. So, you know, start my walk through four or five hours before somewhere else. And then you've got the excitement of, am I going to make it? Am I not going to yeah, make it? Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, it was like, can I get to the Dulwich Picture Gallery before it closes? <laughs> you know, I think you can do things. I mean, that, that's quite good fun. Yeah, yeah. So there's a quite an element of um, maybe having points along the way that you're keen to visit and perhaps looking those up before you go. But also balancing that out with actually kind of letting go and not um, kind of not focusing <laughs> and the points in between kind yeah. of drifting <laughs> but another actually another good way another good tip actually which is quite nice for letting go mm-hmm. mentally mm-hmm. is is river walks yeah urban river walks now that could either be uh, you know a pop a very popular one in london is to walk the river fleet because mm-hmm. it is below ground the entire course so um, once you know where it is and that's that's really good i'm taking a group of people on a walk along a buried river in Leytonstone, which is a stream really mm-hmm. But just no one really knows it's there anymore. Yeah. And that's a really interesting way. So that gives you, but if, you know, canals, you know, so you just yeah. go, I sometimes do that when I want to switch off. If I yeah. want to switch off and just just switch off and surrender to it, mm-hmm. you just get on a towpath and you go in a particular de- direction. And then, you, so there's no decisions to make. Yeah, and something is leading you, so you can't really get lost yeah. because Don't you need a map. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a really, really good tip. And you just keep going. Yeah. And you know you'll find a pub, you know you'll find somewhere to eat mm. at some point. Although in London, of course, they're industrialised. A lot of time, actually, there's nothing along them. Mm-hmm. When you go out west, yeah. long stretches of no people, no, no no pubs or shops or anything. Yeah. Um, that's quite a good way of exploring cities as well. Yeah, definitely. I think something that perhaps people get a bit worried about in a city they don't know 
at all and going out for a walk and not necessarily being familiar with the surroundings if they get worried about getting lost. Good. You well, should I think, aim I to get lost. Today, which is good. Good. That's the aspiration. I aspire to getting lost. Yeah. That's a good walk when I've got lost. Yeah, and I think to those people, I would say that's a good thing. Like, don't freak out. Getting lost, you, like, especially in a city, you can't really fully, fully get lost to the point of no return. Because no. They're, 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 you know, it's just... It, Again, if we take London as an example, there are tube stations and bus stops absolutely everywhere. Yeah. So you're going to find something. Or there are corner shops with lovely people in yeah. everywhere where you can go and ask, where on earth am I? And no one will <laughs> know. I mean, that's the other thing. Well, no one will know. But what they will do is they go, there's an A to Z over there, you know, and, and that that's always fascinating. No one knows yeah. where they are. Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite comforting. If you think, well, I'm completely lost. And they go, yeah, I don't know where I am and I live here. Just enjoy it. Just ride the wave of yeah. being lost. Yeah. It's funny that anxiety about being lost isn't it yeah. it's quite deep seated and i think that in a way loops back to the idea of the primeval instincts that still drive us mm-hmm. because you know when you get lost in the forest mm-hmm. you are in trouble and you could die yeah so there's no <laughs> logical reason for being afraid of being lost in the city unless you have yeah. to be somewhere on time but yeah otherwise you know otherwise just you go, go with it. It. Yeah. yeah definitely i think it's i've mainly heard people say that they're worried about getting lost in cities that they don't know where they don't speak the language and I just think it's, it's all okay. You can actually communicate quite a lot with people without speaking the same language. That's quite easy. And people are often very keen to help people that are lost. I think almost anywhere I've been, if I'm lost, and I kind of try to convey that to someone in hand signals and any kind of snippets of language I can, people are always keen to help you. And yeah, I would say just enjoy it. Just enjoy getting lost in a city, metaphorically and Physically. Well, there's, there's a book, isn't there, by the, well, a wonderful writer called Rebecca Solnit, who wrote a book called Wanderlust, mm-hmm. uh, which is a history of walking, which is the best book about walking, mm-hmm. as a, you know, about walking, that I think there is. I mean, if you if you want to, you know, some of these think, oh, I'd really like to read about all the different ways of walking, traditions of walking. Highly recommend that book, Wanderlust, by Rebecca Solnit. But she wrote another book called A Field Guide to Getting Lost, actually, you know, so it's a, it's a noble tradition of getting lost. Yeah. And it's an art form, I think. One that I try to perfect as, as frequently as possible. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been such a great conversation and I'm sure I could go on about it for hours. Where can the listeners again hear, hear more from you? So what's your book called again? My book's called This Other London. This Other London Adventures in the Overlooked City. Fantastic. Widely available. And I've got a blog called The Lost Byway. And on The Lost Byway you can find links to pretty much all my work films the book other writings fantastic well thank you so much for joining me john it's been brilliant my pleasure emma thank you don't forget to head to gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast for more about walking in cities and to find links to john's work there you'll also find a post i wrote called the art of getting lost where i talk about how to truly let go as you wander on unfamiliar ground that's gottakeepmoving.com forward slash podcast